We are in a series on wisdom rooted in the book of Proverbs. This morning, we have a most important imperative that is before us. Proverbs chapter 4, I invite you to take your Bible and turn to or scroll to Proverbs chapter 4. This is certainly one of those Proverbs that will um, be easily recognizable. Uh, It is well known and it has such importance for each and every one of us literally every single day. Proverbs chapter 4 verse uh, 23 says this, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Other translations very rightly uh, render this, uh, keep watch over your heart or guard your heart. Both are good renditions of the Hebrew. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. What is the imperative that he is giving us this morning? Keep your heart. Guard your heart. Well, how are we to do this? And in what way do we keep vigilance over our own heart? Well, that's the answer. With great vigilance. This is something for us to engage in with intentionality, to do so on purpose, to be determined, to be faithful, to keep watch over our heart. And why is this important? Because from it flows the wellsprings of life. Our heart, as we read in Scripture, is the seat of our will or our emotions. It is where our convictions are formed. The foundations of our life are laid. Tracks are laid for how we will live our life. And the Spirit tells us, guard your heart. Guard your heart. So again, how do we go about doing this? What is the method? What, how do we guard our heart, something we actually can't see? Remember Jesus said, you are truly my disciples. You are my disciples indeed, if you abide in my word. You are truly my followers If you live your life in accordance with my word. So I'd like us to focus on that this morning. The divine instrument given to us is God's holy word. We call it God's word because it comes from God. It originates with him. It is his wisdom. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that God's word is alive and it is active. It is unlike any other book that we have. 
God's word discerns the thoughts and the intents of our heart. That's Hebrews chapter 4 again. God's word is the divine plumb line. That's our straight edge where we examine our life, where we build our life, where we build our convictions. God's word does not change. As my pastor would always tell us, God did not write with a number two pencil so he could flip it and erase things when, ah, I realized we've learned more. This is, this is what we need to know. So let's look at a passage that highlights God's word. Take your Bibles and turn to the left to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19. As you're turning, I was listening to uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who used to preach in uh, London. And he was preaching through Ephesians chapter 1, and he came across this one phrase, by the riches of his grace. And he said, you'll understand, I need to take at least one, one sermon on that phrase alone. Because that really sums up all of the Bible for us. The riches of God's grace. He said, you know, there are some people, if they go, for example, to an art gallery, they'll get the program and they'll say, okay, here's how we're going to map out going through the art gallery. And they'll, they'll walk through and they'll get to number one and it's the painting by so-and-so and they look at it and they say isn't that nice well that's by so-and-so and then they say okay number two uh, we're going to go to the next one and oh look that's by rembrandt look at that is that that's rembrandt and then they move on and on and he said that's not how we engage god's word when you are looking at a masterpiece you stop you gaze you meditate reflect and take it all in and slow down long enough for the effect of the word of God through the spirit of God to edify and to transform us. Psalm chapter 19, beginning in verse 9. It would help if the preacher would go there himself. Proverbs chapter, uh, Psalm chapter 19, beginning in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the dripping of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is indeed great 
reward. This is one of my favorite passages because it so clearly and so beautifully shows us the majesty, the beauty, the glory, the power of God's written word, which, as we saw before, is alive and active. The words themselves are alive because they are from God himself. So I'd like to, in consideration of guarding my heart and utilizing the word of God. Remember, uh, Psalm chapter 1 talks about meditating on the word of God day and night. We don't rush this. We devote whatever time we can to this. I'd like to look at what the word of God is. And what the word of God does. Because this passage is full of that. What the word of God is and what it does. It's activity. It's ministry in our lives. So first. What the word of God is. And if you look up on the slide. You can look in your own Bible as well. But I've highlighted these. The yellow obviously is my, are my highlights. Different words used to describe the word of God. He says the law of God is perfect. There are no errors. Because the law of God is perfect, the testimony of the Lord, it's sure. It is, as they say, sure footing. Like when you walk this path, you know that you're on solid ground. The Bible says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. We can trust God's word with all of our heart and with all of our mind. The precepts of the Lord, they are right. They're never wrong. When culture conflicts with God's word, 100% of the time, I'm on this side, God's word. The commandment of the Lord, it's pure. What God requires of us, what God commands us, they themselves, his, themselves, his commandments are pure. They show us how to honor God. Frankly, how to stop doing stupid things that only hurt ourselves. Right? They're pure. God's word is perfect. It is sure. It is right. And it is pure. So the question comes, well, why wouldn't I found my life on this? I need this. But there's more. We're not done. Next slide. The fear of the Lord is clean. Isn't that interesting? We've been talking a lot about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is intrinsically is tied to the word of the Lord. 
The fear of the Lord is clean. The rules of the Lord are true. They are more desirable than much fine gold. Remember we saw in Proverbs chapter 2 that we should seek wisdom as we would hidden treasures. What the Lord is telling us here is there is no pursuit that is more beneficial to you, that is more lofty in what it is, what it stands for, than seeking the Lord and knowing his word. There's nothing. There actually is nothing on your busy agenda that, that, that is more important than this. And remember, as we talk about God's word, as we, as we extol God's word, remember, I'll say it again, Proverbs, I mean, Psalm 1, I think it's very intentional that it's at the very beginning. Meditating on the word of God Day and night. This is our life. We read it. We sit down and we read and study it. Ponder it when we can. We think about it all the time. Sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the cold. If it is more valuable to us than much fine gold. And fine gold actually is valuable. It can... Change our life, as they say, if we had lots of riches. Oh, but it's more desirable than that. It's far more desirable than riches. And it is sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. This is the word of the Lord. May we honor it and may we engage it. May we believe it, and most importantly, obey it. So that's what the Word of God is. What does the Word of God do when Colin engages God's Word? When we slow down, when we prioritize our personal engagement with God through His Word, in all different settings, we understand that. What does it do? Number one, it revives your soul. Now, I am talking to a room full of people, human beings. There are as many different stories in this room as there are people. Hurts, past trauma, challenges, discouragements, unexpected things, grief, all of these things. We're human. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ministry. Right at the top. The word of God. It revives our soul. When sorrows bring us down, when, I mean, you you just fill in the blank, when we are weighed down, the Word of God, the ministry of the Word of God in our life is that it revives us 
at the soul level. I heard someone say this week that the Word of God is not a how-to book for how to fly a kite or intricate science or how to grill, any of those things. We don't look to God's Word for those things. There are other places we can go. But the Word of God is a how-to book for how to keep your heart and how to keep your soul. Far more important. The word of God. Well, this is a good one. It makes wise the simple. People who may come to the table and say, well, I'm not learned. I've not been to school, to college, to this, to that, or whatever. It takes people whose lives are uncomplicated. Who would consider themselves to be simple. And it makes that person a wise person. Why? Because he or she is is attending their ears to the truth of God's word. That's beautiful. It rejoices the heart. Just like we need to revive our soul. Am I the only one in this room who needs my heart to be rejoiced? We carry burdens. Again, we carry many, many things in this life. And the word of God gets underneath all of that. It cuts right through that. And it lifts us up and it gives us joy at, the ver- at our very heart. Only God can do that. Lots of things can make you happy. Lots of things can make your life a little bit easier. But only God, through the ministry of his spirit, using the word of God, can bring joy to our hearts. I I mentioned I was listening to Lloyd-Jones, who preached in London, and he has many, 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 many sermons as he was going through the book of Romans. Romans 8 alone, as I can't even count how many they are, but... But he just does a wonderful job of bringing all of this wonderful truth about us out. And that's what the word of God does. We know who we are. We think we do, right? We know, we know our failures. We know that we don't measure up. But the word of God comes in and lifts us up and tells us who we are in Christ. So that it becomes an easy thing to not live for lesser things you show me someone who is distracted in life and disconnected from the word of god from fellowship and so forth and i will show you someone who is discouraged and feels far from god the ministry of the word of god is the word of god the truth of god applied by the spirit of god in our lives it brings such joy and it revives us because we know that we are loved unconditionally and we know that we are accepted completely and we also know it's nothing to do with our own performance what a relief what a relief to get in that way but to also live that way because that's how it is designed 
Galatians chapter 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. What does the word of God do in our lives, brothers and sisters? It enlightens the eyes. Illuminates is a good word from the New Testament with the Spirit. It opens our eyes to see truth that we had not seen before. Which is why in the New Testament there are lots of admonitions about false teachers, false prophets, and so on and so forth, who will deceive people with that which is not the truth. But the word of God, it opens our eyes so we can see life as it is. We live in a generation that has some crazy ideas about life in general. And we're not the first generation. The word of God forms a straight edge for us so we can see the truth of God. We can see life through God's lens. The word of God enlightens our eyes. So let me ask you this question. Do you need this? Do you need for your soul to be revived? Do you need for your heart to rejoice? What's your joy quotient? Are you filled with the joy of the Lord? Because the joy of the Lord is the most beautiful thing. The joy of the Lord is not in any sense, not one bit to any degree at all connected to your circumstances. Again, how freeing is that? The joy of the Lord that's on the inside, not the superficial, maybe happiness might be a way to describe it, but the joy of the Lord that is down here does not get there. And it's, we don't thrive in the joy of the Lord based upon what we are experiencing or have experienced. The joy of the Lord is the work of the Holy Spirit. Based on the truth of God in our life. Which is why Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He did not say rejoice in your circumstances because that would be depressing a lot of times. He says, rejoice in the Lord. That's where you rejoice. That's where your focus is. And spoiler alert, this is where God's word will always Point us is to the Lord. Charles Spurgeon said, Show me a man whose Bible is falling apart, and I will show you someone whose life is not. Show me someone whose Bible is falling apart from usage, like using it. Just wanted to qualify that. And I will show you someone whose life is not falling apart. When we neglect the personal work of the Spirit through the Word, we lose our spiritual fervor, we fill our mind, and we fill our schedules with lesser things. And saints, that's what we want to protect ourselves from. There's more. 
The fear of the Lord, it endures forever. Why would we ever settle for anything that's temporary? The word of the Lord is altogether righteous. You will never have to worry about something being unclean when you're in God's word. The word of God, it gives warning. It gives a righteous and a helpful warning for those times when we are going off course. Why? Well, because God loves us and does not want us to face what the consequences are of going this way or that way. In keeping God's word. So remember, this is not just an intellectual uh, exercise of, well, isn't the word of God nice? You're going through an art museum. Oh, that's a nice picture. Yes, it is. And we're going to move on to the next one. Not at all. What he's assuming here is that when we keep God's word, when we treasure God's word, when we engage God's word, when we obey God's word, it yields great reward. So allow me to show you in two other ways the power of God's word and how God views God's word. Because ultimately, it's not going to surprise you. I am encouraging you to engage God in his word. You will recall Jesus spoke of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man died and he was in torment. This is Luke chapter 16, if you care to join me. He asked for someone to go tell his family. He himself was in torment, was in agony. And he said, well, maybe you can send Lazarus. I mean, I've got five brothers. I want them to know. I squandered my life. But I want them to know. Would you send Lazarus? This is Jesus speaking. We'll pick it up in verse 29. After the rich man makes his appeal, but Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets... Let them hear them. You see, the rich man is realizing that he had wasted his entire life, obviously not honored the Lord. And now he was in agony. And the way his mind was thinking was like, Look, just do something. Go send someone. And the response is, I actually already did. Over and over and over again, because that's what the law and the prophets are, is generations of men and women of God standing up and pointing people in the right direction. So he pleads for a dramatic resurrection. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. I mean... You just pop Lazarus out of his grave. 
that will get their attention. They'll listen when they see something spectacular. But he points to the power of God's word. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should, be, uh, if someone should rise from the dead. That's powerful. That is the weight, that is the importance that he is putting on God's written word. It is sufficient to speak to matters of eternity. I'll leave you with this from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. Today, now, if you hear his voice, if the Lord is bringing conviction in your life about something or someone, act on it. Don't harden your heart, but have a soft heart to what God might be showing you. All of this falls under the category of keep your heart. That's an ongoing process. It is not one and done. But every day as we walk with the Lord, we are to guard our heart. Guard our heart to keep our heart. And I would submit to you that the greatest and the best tool that we have for that from God is his word. To know it, to love it, to reflect on it, to read it. Colossians chapter 3 tells us to, to admonish one another, to speak the word of God to one another, to encourage each other, to lift each other up, to keep ourselves walking on the straight and the narrow, if you will. So the word from the Lord today is guard your heart. In just a moment, we will observe communion together. I want to point you, since you're in Psalms or Proverbs, I think. Well, now you're in Luke. But now you're going to go back to Psalms. Um, in my own uh, quiet time, I was reading in Psalm 90 and following uh, yesterday. And I just want to share this. This is a good reflection point for communion, I think. Psalm chapter 90, verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning. With your steadfast or faithful love. We need to know that we're loved by God. We need to know that. And so the psalmist says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. But watch this just two chapters later, chapter 92 he says this, it is, a good, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. 
You see, at first he says, please, Lord, remind me and show me that you that you do indeed love me unconditionally. But then he goes on to say, it is a good thing to declare that which is true. So our emotions can catch up with what is true in our lives. Lord, it is always our prayer that if there is even one with us today who has not turned to the Lord and put their faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone as their Savior and Lord, we pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, as we live our lives, as we start a new week, as youth ministry starts tonight, Awana started this past week, thank you for these ministries and these desires that we have to raise the next generation, but also for each and every one of us to walk with confidence, to walk with joy as we follow you, as we have that yearning in our heart for what is ahead because we know this is not it. How we long to be with you and rid of the temptations and the trials that surround us. Help us this day to encourage and to support one another. All of these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.